the big guy has a big mouth, and it got him into a lot of trouble. But he hasn't seen the half of it yet. There is an audio tape, I am told, by people in the know, uh, not necessarily in government, not necessarily out of government. I can't say too much. Um, but there is incontrovertible evidence of Joe Biden's corruption that is about to be made public. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen before Labor Day, but it will happen sometime between Labor Day and Halloween. This tape will be made public. I'm not sure by what entity at this point, but once it is heard, Joe Biden will have, well, he'll have only two options. Number one, he will not be able to remain a candidate for the presidency for re-election. It will be over and done with. The only thing that he might be able to do potentially, but probably not, is remain as president. I am told this tape is that incriminating and they're worried about it right now at the White House. They know about it. They know it's out there. There may be more than one. And it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, let's pretend for a moment that this congressman from New York, uh, Goldman is his name. Let's pretend for a moment that he's right about whatever it is he heard. Listen. So, so to confirm, you're saying that the speakerphone conversations, they don't seem concerning to you because there is no specifics about business. And it just seemed like it was clear about- that it was clear that, that it was as part of the daily conversations that Hunter Biden had with his father. Um, and it was and, and sounded like most of the time uh, now President Biden didn't even know who the people he was at dinner. He was just asked to say hello. Uh, and he would, you know, talk about the, the way he described it several times. They asked over and over and over. He described what the weather was, how, uh, how, what's going on on your end. He, the, the witness was very, very consistent that none of those conversations ever had to do with any business dealings or transactions. They were purely what he called casual conversations. All right, let's uh, let's accept that. Let's accept that for a moment. That's according to Devin Archer and Hunter. And well, the thing is, Joe Biden would make phone calls not only to Devin Archer and Hunter, right? He would make phone calls to other people. He would have meetings with other people. And Joe became a big shot all the way back in the 1970s. I don't think he realizes that now everybody in the world, everybody, as a tape recorder in their pocket. Back in the 70s when he became a big shot, that was like, oh boy, you had to go to Radio Shack and get tape and you know, you had to be like this radio geek to figure that stuff out or the FBI. Um, life's changed. And the people he was doing business with, I believe, in Eastern Europe, they love recording stuff. Every time they go get milk, they actually have a dash cam. Did you know this over in Europe? Like uh, using a dash cam is like everybody, 99% of the people record everything they do in a car and everything they do in business. Poroshenko, the then president of Ukraine, Joe was asking for something that Poroshenko thinks is out of line. Can you tell which side of the phone call this is recorded? Who's actually recording the call? Take a guess. Yesterday, I met me with the general prosecutor Shoto. Yes. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, he doing something wrong, I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday, 
I especially ask him to resign. Great. And this is my second step for keeping my promises. I agree. All right, you can tell Joe is on the phone, and that guy is actually in the room. Poroshenko is in the room where the tape recorder is. Poroshenko is taping it as evidence, as something to hold over Joe Biden, as proof. And there have to be more tapes. There just have to be. And I am told there is one, and it's going to blow the lid off the Biden administration and probably bring it down forever. And if that's the case, it kind of makes sense. If you knew you were about to be fired or demoted or, you know, kicked out of something, would you really break a sweat at whatever it is you're doing? You know what I mean? When Joe went to the beach, this was a signal to me that he gave up, that he, know, that he knows his time is up, that it's coming. The, the walls are closing in, as they used to like to say about Donald Trump, going to the beach, going for a bike ride, blowing off basic questions, say, about Hawaii. He can't be bothered. It's all about himself now. It's all about survival and planning his life after the presidency and trying to protect himself as much as possible. The country, <laughs> we are not on Joe Biden's mind. We are not. And if this pans out the way I think it is, it shows once again that Donald Trump was right. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe, and your son gave you. They even have a statement that we have to give 10 percent to the big man. You're the big man, I think. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But you're the big man, I think. Your son said we have to give 10 percent to the big man. Joe, what's that all about? It's terrible. It is terrible. And he was right. And <laughs> watch how the media covered up for him, even in the heat of that moment. Respond, and then we're going to have follow-up. If this stuff is true about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq, if this is true, then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody. Hey, President Trump, I want to stay hell. on the issue of race. We're talking about the, the issue. from hell. President Trump, Nobody. we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race. How about that, huh? Wants to stay on the issue of race, the phony issue that they manufacture, that they design to blow up the country. Fascinating, right? Um, and then the media, of course, spun everything Donald Trump said has been essentially proven by the House Oversight Committee. And what did they accuse him of back then? Last night, Trump made clear his closing argument is just lies, lies, and more lies. Flooding the zone with a deluge of outright false claims. And he covers up, up, up all those deficits by attacking Hunter Biden and trying to dirty up uh, uh, Biden. He maligned Joe Biden's son tonight, invoked unverified allegations against him, doubled down on this narrative about Hunter Biden, which conservatives have been pushing for years. This time he was just a moving, a slow moving manufacturer of lie after lie after lie after lie. So they actually talked about they said this out loud. Maybe we have to come up with a procedure to cut the microphones every time Donald Trump utters something that's not true. They actually thought about doing that and implemented a system where they could turn off the mics if they didn't like what Trump was saying. Anyway, fast forward three years, three years, and the media, oh yeah, he was right all along. Yeah, on some little watched Sunday show, CNN admitted it. Kessler wrote, Hunter Biden reported nearly 2.4 million in income 
in 2017 and 2.2 million in income in 2018, most of which came from Chinese or Ukrainian interests. But this, and this directly goes against what Joe Biden said in the debate in 2020 uh, with uh, Donald Trump. I mean, Trump was right. I mean, he did make a fortune from China and Joe Biden was wrong. Yeah, they're all like, yeah, yeah. Is that front page news? Is that? No, they, they still insist. Vast portions of CNN, uh, the White House, that's fake news. No, it's established. It was admitted by Hunter Biden's own lawyers that they got money from China. Trump was right. So how do we avoid a situation like Joe Biden again, right? A career politician, not much going on in the brain department, uh, full of ambition, but no ability how do we avoid that? Well, I have to go to the fake news for a second because they actually had an interesting idea. Now, the title of this story, Elections Are Bad for Democracy, it got everybody upset and everybody was running around like, how could they say such a thing? And it does seem like a totally outlandish and silly title. Um, but it was an eye catcher. And I read the story. And what they're saying is what this guy is saying Maybe we should do what the ancient Greeks did. Now, the ancient Greeks, they invented democracy. You got to remember that, okay? These are the experts. What did they have? They had basically a system where they would pick random people from the city to be in charge of the city, kind of like a modern-day jury pool. You show up for jury duty. Have you ever done that? I did it once. They wouldn't let me on the jury. They didn't like my answers, but it was kind of a fun process. And if I got on the jury, I would have done my best. But it's random. They take basically random people and they figure out who's going to sit on the jury. If they pass a test, they pass the truth test. Maybe we could do the same thing as a democracy. It's not as crazy as it sounds. Let me go through it. When you're anointed by the group, it can quickly go to your head. I'm the chosen one, the group being the electorate, the chosen one being whoever we voted for. Next, please. When you know you're picked at random, you don't experience enough power to be corrupted by it. And that's where Joe Biden went terribly, terribly wrong a very long time ago. 1974, he's like 30, 31 years old. Look at how cocky he is. He really thinks he's special. As the youngest member of the Senate, the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there, I wonder if you'd say to us, since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I thank you for that, though. The arrogance of that statement, don't assume I'm not corrupt, that would be a very false assumption. 29 years old, he gets elected. He gets lucky in a state that's the size of... Well, there are counties all over the country bigger than Delaware. So he thinks he's special. That's number one. Check this out. The fortunate thing is I didn't have many larger contributors. And the only reason, see, I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the, man, in the manner in which I talk about it. You know, if we picked leaders like we do for a jury, um, you wouldn't have to prostitute yourself. And we would never get a guy who's proud of prostituting themselves to get elected, to be something rather than do something. Uh, I mean, this is somebody who is mentally unwell. In the prime of his life, he stood there and lied like crazy. 
what law school did you attend, and where did you place in that class? And the other question Who is, cares? could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably Reagan. have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. He just lied like crazy, and he's got a smile on his face, boasting about how big his IQ is. Um, this is somebody who's been corrupted by power. This is somebody who thinks he's special because he got a few thousand people to vote for him, that he must be better than everybody else. He has a superiority complex. If we chose our leaders at random, well, what did William F. Buckley say? William F. Buckley, famous for saying something to the effect of, our government would be better run by the first 535 names, same number of members in Congress and the Senate, in the phone book than if we actually go with the people who go to the trouble to get elected. Random people would do a better job. Now, this is not happening anytime soon. It's probably never going to happen. You'd have to revamp the Constitution, so it's not an overnight thing. But I'm kind of intrigued. And what could be more democratic? Back to that New York Times piece. There is nothing more democratic than offering each and every citizen an equal opportunity to lead. I mean, look at Joe on that beach. Hmm? It's hard to imagine doing much worse than this. I'll be right back. All right, you heard about that horrible shooting in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, three fatally shot. It's considered racially motivated. Uh, three people dead. Let's take a look at the, uh, the, this is the killer. He's dead too. Took his own life. Ryan Palmeter, 21 years old, and uh, opened fire with two guns. And uh, here are the victims in the case. Just a terrible situation. So sorry for the loss. And, um, well, a couple of things. Lots of people were shot this weekend. So many shootings. This one is the one the media really wanted to mm, highlight. Authorities say three black Americans and the white shooter are dead. The gunman, who is described as a white man in his early 20s. In Jacksonville, Florida, police say a self-proclaimed white supremacist gunned down two men and one woman, all African-Americans. All right. Number one, white supremacy is a horrific ideology. And uh, the six people who practice it off in the woods somewhere or in prison, if they ever break the law, they should be, well, kept in prison or sent to prison. All right. It's horrible. Um, but it's not as prevalent as the mainstream media and Democrats desperately want it to be. By the way, this is a print edition of the story you just saw. The white gunman who shot and killed three black people at a Dollar General store. I just find this kind of unsettling somehow. Why is black capitalized and white lowercase? Why is that? When did they decide to do that all of a sudden? But they did, and it makes no sense. I've heard the explanations, and it makes no sense. Anyway, it's kind of like white inferiority, right? Capital B, lowercase w. Uh, let's hear from the chief of police in Jacksonville, right? 
plainly put, this shooting was racially motivated and he hated black people. He wanted to kill. That's the one and only time I'll use that word. He targeted a certain group of people and that's black people. That's what he, that's what he said he wanted to kill. All right, that was the sheriff, and uh, it's a pretty blunt assessment, and uh, it's horrible, but do you have to put it quite like that in the wake of what happened? Well, I don't know what the profanity was, but that's a pretty intense statement, and often after a crime, people are on edge. Is that throwing kerosene on an already kind of burning fire? Maybe. Who remembers the situation in Tennessee? when that transgender individual opened fire on those children at that Christian school. Here's how the chief handled it there. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, ident identify as transgender, yes. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is has any motive for targeting the school? Uh, we can give you that at a later time. There is. Uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. A bit more professional, right? A bit more measured. The whole community's on edge. He's not trying to fire people up like the previous guy did, it seemed to me. However, we never did get to see that manifesto. That shooting took place on March 27th. No manifesto released. Apparently, it was a lot about transgender ideology and uh, we haven't seen the manifesto. It does exist. Now, the Florida shooting, which they say is a white supremacy attack, uh, the shooting took place on Saturday, and it was released on Sunday. I do believe because, well, a lot of people have figured out how to exploit this kind of crime where the victim is black and the shooter is white. Exploit it for power and sometimes money. When it came to the Tennessee shooting, primarily it was just kids. And they happen to be white kids, and I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, you see the difference? Kind of strange. Why do they have to go through this weird uh, evaluation process to figure out what's going to receive attention, what's going to receive a national attention, what are they going to ask presidential candidates about? This weekend, there were a lot of shootings. Breaking news out of Boston, where police say at least seven people have been injured in a mass shooting during the city's Caribbean festival. The terrifying moment overnight when a mass shooting broke out at an Oklahoma high school football game. A mass shooting in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, left one person dead and six others injured. They're described the victims, person, others, shooter. I notice race is not mentioned once. You think they're trying to do anything good for America, these people, the media, inflaming some situations, playing down others. Let's go through the victims of these crimes. Uh, this uh, young man was killed at the Oklahoma shooting. This is the scene at the Caribbean Day Parade, primarily attended by people of color. Uh, the restaurant in downtown Louisville, very popular with African-Americans. Uh, seems these cases, uh, primarily African-American victims, people of color assailants, Interesting that the race isn't mentioned. You know why, right? Because black lives actually don't matter. They only matter when there's a white assailant. Because that way you can exploit the victims for money and power. All lives matter, of course. But in our crazy, toxic, weirdo culture, black lives don't matter unless they're taken by a white person. 
It's really sad, isn't it? Here's our little trusty index. The rule of thumb doesn't always apply, but a lot of the times it does. White assailant, white victim, no story. Black assailant, black victim, no story. Uh, black assailant, white victim, no story. Uh, however, and this is it, if you have a white assailant and a black victim, that's what the media is looking for. That's the kind of story they're comfortable telling. Isn't that crazy? It really is, isn't it? Next. Putin. You know, he just killed his, his main adversary there, Prigozhin. And uh, look at him. He's happy about it. It's kind of interesting. I mean, gosh, what a way of life over there. I hate what they do and how they do it. But this guy, basically, we all seem to know, assassinated his political enemy. And he gets to go to the opera and kind of laugh and enjoy himself. Uh, meanwhile, in America, Trump, he takes the wrong envelope and complains to some guy on a phone call about the election and they actually arrest him. This is this is really pathetic for America right now. It is. And the March 4th trial date, March 4th. This is one of the most complex. Well, there's a lot of evidence to review. Let me put it that way. OK, a lot of evidence, exculpatory evidence. Um, Alan Dershowitz has said that it would take a defense lawyer. They'd have to read 70,000 pages a day, a day to be ready for the trial if they go through all the evidence. It's crazy. And this is crazy, too. The judge, she told the Trump attorney that you need to take the temperature down a little. Hello, you guys are the ones who arrested President Trump. You guys want the temperature. You want to blow this country up, it feels like. And this poor guy, his name is Cheeseboro, uh, Cheeseboro, rather. He's a lawyer in New York. He wrote memos about the Electoral College. That's it. He wrote some emails and they arrested him for that. Yeah, he's a co-conspirator. He wrote memos about the Electoral College, and they're trying to throw him in jail. Well, he is ready to go to trial. He has a right to a speedy trial. Looks like his trial, he wants it, will happen in October. But you can't win in America if you're on our side. Listen to what they said about him. Listen, this is a, a prominent American journalist. Check it out. It's such arrogance on the point part of Cheeseboro to think that, oh, this little, you know, state prosecutor, this woman, this African-American woman couldn't possibly be ready to go to trial. She's been getting ready for two years. Wow. Huh? How about that? Mr. Cheeseboro is not being arrogant. It's his right to a speedy trial. He wants one. You can't win with these people. And I look through everything he submitted, uh, right? Everything I'm following this case. He didn't say one thing about the prosecutor being little or a woman or being black. That all came from that hater you just saw. Her name is Jennifer Rubin, just a hysterical Trump hater who's been wrong on just about everything, everything, especially COVID, huh? Wow. Now this. All right, so what can we do amid all this insanity? You know, they're counting on our apathy they're counting on us not knowing much, and they're counting us being distracted and smoking some dope, too, right? Well, we should all be activists in our own way, and this is what I'm doing. I'm not telling you uh, what to give money to, but if you start giving money to your favorite candidate or favorite political action committee, $10 can mean a lot, you know? I mean, $10 coming from 1,000 people, 
That's so much more powerful than one person writing a check for $10,000, if my math works out, okay? That's very important. You can post on social media. That's not as important. Uh, those things kind of come and go. Everybody moves on real quick, but uh, don't be afraid to make your opinion known, all right? Um, and writing letters is better. You write a letter to a member of Congress, pen, paper, or print it out on your computer, um, that'll get read. That will get read more so than an email. Of course, we got to vote. Definitely have to vote. And um, I also think we need to study the United States Constitution. We all need to know our amendments, our rights. Do you know the Bill of Rights? I mean, it's under siege, so it would be good if we knew it, right? I mean, what's the 15th Amendment, real quick? Do you know? I actually don't know right now. So we all, I have a feeling, have to work on that. I'll be right back. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. All right. The trial date has been set, March 4th, 2024, for Donald Trump and that January 6th stuff. Don't tell me the Department of Justice is trying to influence an election. Where would you ever have gotten that idea? <laughs> Scheduled on the eve, on the eve of Super Tuesday, Judge Chutkin, not a political bone in her body. Right. And she has the audacity, in my opinion. I mean, my goodness gracious, look at what she said to a lawyer today. She wants the Trump lawyer to take the temperature down a little. They're trying to burn the country down with this crazy nonsense. That's my opinion. Let's bring in an expert. Professor Alan Dershowitz, Professor Emeritus at the Harvard Law School. Privileged to have you here once again, sir. Um, all right. First off, March 4th. Crazy or not crazy? Well, worse than crazy, completely unconstitutional. It would require the defense lawyers to read approximately 71,000 pages a day in order to prepare. The government has turned over at this point 12.8 million pages. And the prosecutor said, well, I don't have to read everything. It would be like asking a brain surgeon to go in and perform surgery without seeing the CAT scan and the blood tests. You just can't do that. No responsible lawyer would take a case like this and, and litigate it. If I were the lawyer, I'd simply refuse. I would say, Your Honor, sorry, you can't make me engage in unethical behavior. You can't make me engage in malpractice. You can't make me engage in uh, ineffective assistance of counsel. I have my job to do. You have your job to do. And I can't do my job within uh, a few months based on almost 13 million pages of uh, exculpatory evidence. And you know what the government does? It hides needles in haystacks. It provides 12 million pages, and maybe 10 of them will have really, really smoking guns that would hurt the prosecution. But you can't find them unless you read every single page. So it's, it's a gimmick, it's a, a tactic that's used by the prosecution. And the judge, who's totally pro-prosecution, is uh, implementing it here. Well, it all sounds terrible. And I think I heard the judge say something like, well, your, your client uh, has resources, you know, could hire more lawyers, could do all that stuff. What business is it? What difference does it make if he has resources or not? The judge shouldn't be making observations like that, I don't think. 
No, look, I've been doing this 60 years. I read everything myself when I'm the defense lawyer. I'm the chief counsel. I'm in charge. I'm the responsible person. I don't give it to young, just people out of law school uh, a year to to read and try to make a sophisticated analysis. I know what my job is. You think doctors give interns uh, the, the, the PET scans and the CAT scans and say, just just tell me what's in them. I don't have to I don't have to see them myself. You know, this is very serious stuff. It involves the Constitution of the United States. And, and the judge doesn't know anything about the Constitution. She seemed to suggest that somehow the government has the right to a speedy trial. What ridiculousness. The Constitution provides only the defendant has the right to a speedy trial. And he also has the right to a fair trial. And he can waive speedy trial in order to get a fair trial. But the judge can't impose a speedy trial on the defendant saying there's a public interest yeah. in a speedy trial. No, there isn't. There's a uh, political interest in the speedy trial to try to get a conviction before the primaries, before the election. That's a political interest, not a constitutional interest. You know, unfortunately, there are so few excellent lawyers like you who are saying this kind of stuff publicly. There are a handful. There are a handful of attorneys in the country. My question to you is, they know, though. They know that this is wrong. They, of they course know they know it's wrong. But, you know, Project 65 has now scared lawyers out of speaking. Um, when I spoke up against Project 65, this is a group of lawyers who have pledged to disbar and discipline any lawyer who defends Trump. And when I wrote an op-ed piece condemning them as McCarthyites, what did they do? They filed a bar charge against me, which is costing me tens of thousands of dollars to defend. And they send a message to other lawyers. If you dare to say anything positive against uh, or in favor of Donald Trump and against the government, You're in we're trouble. coming after you. We're going to yeah. get your bar card. Professor we're going to make you spend thousands of dollars. In our time left, I got to get two things uh, taken care of. Jay Bratt is a deputy to Jack Smith. We now know that he was visiting with the deputy White House counsel, at least, and an FBI agent at the White House, it looks like, in March, after he was already working, with, I believe, with, with Jack Smith. It's supposed to be independent. Uh, this would be the appearance of working with the White House. Uh, does this render Jack Smith's investigation, like, I don't know, can they cancel it? This seems like a major violation. Is it? Well, Congress ought to have hearings and call this guy and call Smith and find out what they talked about. If they talked about politics in the White House, obviously it's a violation of the Hatch Act. And do you really believe people? For example, the DA in um, uh, Fulton County said she wouldn't even recognize Smith if he walked into a room. What an obvious lie. She's seen Smith's pictures. They've been on your network. They've been all over uh, newspapers and the media, of course she knows what Jack Smith looks like. Right. And yet she's prepared to lie to the American public and say she wouldn't recognize him if he walked into a room. I would recognize him if he walked into a room. So there's a lot of untruths being told here today and not enough people calling them on it. Look, right. I'm a liberal Democrat. I don't want to see Donald Trump elected again. And I think what prosecutors are doing are helping him getting elected. And for me, it's a lose-lose. I don't want to see him elected, and I don't want to see the Constitution violated uh, by going after him. And 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 so, hey, it's professor, so important to stand up against the constitutional violations. The other, briefly, if you don't mind, isn't there a way? I think I've seen you talk about it. They could jumpstart this whole thing, the defense, by getting it somehow to the Supreme Court even before the trial. 
It's is, possible. It's possible. They can bring what's called a mandamus or an interlocutory appeal on the scheduling, saying that it denies him the right to a fair trial, and that could get it up to the Supreme Court. But there's a lot of discretion, and some appellate courts don't don't want to intervene before there's a conviction. Look, remember what the strategy is here. Let's get a conviction down and dirty before the primaries, before the elections. Then it may very well be reversed on appeal, but by that time, the election will be over. That's why the Supreme Court should intervene before the uh, trials take place in this case. This is an appropriate case for an interlocutory appeal. The case, the case itself is a crime. They are committing a crime, I believe, in uh, waging this case, but anyway. Well, they're certainly violating the Constitution. Professor Dershowitz, thank you. Thank you for your bravery. And uh, to be continued, please go to his website, allen-dershowitz.com, and check out his amazing books. We'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. So that horrible disaster at East Palestine, Ohio. Haven't heard much about it lately, have you, right? No, no, it's faded from the headlines, big time. In fact, even during the crisis, uh, it was being pushed out of the headlines. A lot of folks didn't want to talk about it for some reason. Donald Trump went there, showed support, um, something that the current president of the United States refuses to do for some reason. Take a look at this photo. It's of the water, which has been a, well, gosh, looks pretty crummy. What's happening in East Palestine right now? We want to check in with Tammy and Rick Chai. I think this is the third or fourth time we've talked to you guys. Thanks for keeping us up to date. By the way, right off the top, you're right there in the middle of East Palestine. You both look a lot better than you have in previous appearances. Good to see you both. How are you feeling? Good to see you, too. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. My husband is having a, a few issues. Oh, I've been, creeks. <laughs> yeah, I've been filming in the creeks again only because, you know, people say stay out of the creeks. If the EPA wouldn't lie to us, then I would, wouldn't have to go into the creeks. Um, I'm covered in rash again all over uh, my chest, and uh, it happens every time. I wear a military mask, Avon military mask when I go in, but inevitably you get water splashed on you. And the creeks are horribly, horrifically still contaminated. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on here. All right. Well, look, I don't like that rash one bit. Um, other than documenting for the world what's happening there, I mean, maybe you should avoid the creek. The, that rash does look bad. Um, can you avoid the creek? If well, they can stop lying to us. It's just something that drives me. Maybe there's, I, I don't know, I probably should. They keep telling us there's nothing... There's no contaminants in the creek, but then they started to dig up under the bridge because they're This putting, was two days ago, the video you're looking at. Yeah. They're putting in a new park that's uh, $25 million that Norfolk Southern donated, and they dug up all of these uh, all up underneath the bridge. So this is further down than just the, where the regular soil was. So these contaminants had sunk really far down and... We just need to show what we're dealing yeah, with. This is one uh, backhoe shovel full, and they stopped work at that time. And I think they saw the chemicals and didn't know what to do. And the EPA states that it's not their uh, uh, site, so um, they have nothing to do with it. They wouldn't test there. 
They say they can see no evidence of chemicals. I can give a seven-year-old a stick and he can find those chemicals. Um, how does the EPA not find those? So we've done, we've done testing ourselves. We've sent samples out to um, the professional lab to find exactly what we're dealing with in that creek. Any indications so far? Right. Any preliminary results? Uh, it's Eurofin's lab. They're very backed up. I sent it about two weeks ago, the, the sediment and the water. But why am I doing that? Why, why isn't the EPA telling us what it is? Yeah. I just want residents to know uh, that uh, you're being lied to. Yeah. I, I held the paper, the uh, local paper, where the EPA last week, uh, where there was a fish kill when they knocked the bridge down and released the chemicals. They said they couldn't find any chemicals. The next day, I walked through the creek with the newspaper. Uh, chemicals everywhere in the creek. I don't know. And the fish were gone. The corruption is uh, unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't understand it. How This is America. It's, it's uh, hard to believe. I'm so sorry. It is crazy. This is America. And I know we're being lied to left and right by the powers, the powers that yeah. be. Um, what do you need? I know we want answers. We want clean water. Practically speaking, what do you two need right now? And then what do the people in Palestine, East Palestine, need? Well, we're still on bottled water because the people are very afraid to drink their well water because you see the chemicals in the creek. That's the water that uh, leaches down into the aquifer. So someday we may wake up and drink this contaminated water. So there are probably thousands of people still on bottled water. You can reach me at East Palestine. Tammy at gmail.com. We're still accepting donations. We've had lots of wonderful people because of your show, Greg. Um, yeah. And lastly, ultimately what we need, the people that want to leave and get out of here yeah. need to get out of here. Uh, President Biden, who hasn't even come down, needs to sign the declaration, uh, the emergency declaration. Uh, I believe homes need to be bought out. Yeah. Uh, bottled water is just a substitute. It's getting ridiculous. You've known me for a while. I'm a happy guy. Um, I get angrier and angrier as time goes by. I'm not like this. And we're we're in the process of working on moving because yeah, we uh, just uh, we got a we talked to the bank about a construction loan to move out of here. I mean, we've been talking about it, but you know we've been here 30 years and we thought maybe something positive was going to happen here. No. Um, nothing is happening here. Nothing. This is last. This is last night. Wow. That picture. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and then they called the police on us and. Um, but the local police said, why are they calling the police on you? You're just filming. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a, you know, for a while there, we thought, well, you know, maybe the Biden administration is giving the shaft because this is kind of a red town in a red county. But, you know, we see similar stuff happening in, in Maui, you know, which is a blue. I just I think it's across the board. It's not a it's much deeper than, you know, a Democrat Republican thing. Um, it's reprehensible of what, what this administration is doing. I'd, to I'd be the first citizens. person to thank President Biden if he came here yeah. and signed the declaration, the emergency declaration. And to help and, the residents. Us. Yeah. East Palestine Tammy at gmail.com. That's the email. Yes. And GoFundMe if you guys, um, if folks are want to do that, you can go to East Palestine oh. off the rails, right? East Palestine off the rails. At GoFundMe and Give, Send, Go. Yes. All right. Are, Nations to help the residents. We appreciate everything you've done for us, Greg. Greg, thank you've been you. great, and thank you for supporting East Palestine. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's an honor. And uh, Newsmax, I'm grateful that facilitating all of this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you got to get out of there. Uh, well, keep us posted. We'll be in touch. And uh, thank you so much. So sorry this thank is you. happening. It shouldn't be happening. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. We'll be right back.
So 60 years ago today was the March on Washington, great big civil rights march. And uh, back then, we needed one. We needed one. There are all kinds of crazy uh, things that were going on, segregation. It needed to be fixed. And Martin Luther King Jr. was an absolute hero, the right man for the right moment. And the stuff that he talked about, the stuff that he said, um, unfortunately, folks, <laughs> we can't actually play you uh, recordings of what he said because the descendants of Martin Luther King, they're pretty greedy when it comes to the image and likeness and the sound of Martin Luther King. They charge people all kinds of money. If you use it, they sue. And I think there's another thing. A lot of folks on the left don't actually like his message. No, it's fallen out of favor. Take a look at this quote which is beautiful, and uh, remember learning it as a kid. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. What a beautiful, noble, universally appealing ideal, right? And I thought we were going there until Black Lives Matter summer. And now it's all about race. What is skin deep is what you're judged on, which is crazy. And so is this guy. What would Martin Luther King have made of Joe Biden? It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Wow. It's the very opposite message. Very opposite. It's the opposite of his dream, right? Content. No, you look a certain way, then you must vote a certain way. That's what Joe Biden says. Well, I think Martin Luther King would have no use for a guy like Joe Biden, and neither does America. But tragically, he's the president of the United States. If you heard my show earlier, though, probably for not that much longer. I'll be right back. Hey, thank you very much. Exciting times around here. And thank you, President Trump, for giving us that great interview right after he got out of jail. That was something. That was history. I'll see you tomorrow.